It's Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on? And thank you for listening to The Incline. The Dodgers are the 2020 World Series champions, in case you forgot. Today's episode is all about the 2021 Dodgers season preview. That's right. We're going to talk about as many of these guys as we can, give you the best preseason analysis as opening day is right around the corner, April 1st, this Thursday, at the Colorado Rockies. We'll give you the matchups later. I'm Kevin Klein, of course. David Rosenthal joining us, as always. How are you doing? Doing good, Kevin. Uh, we're a mere hours away from opening day. Not weeks, not months, hours from opening day. Clayton Kershaw will make his return as opening day starter after two years uh, removed from that role. And uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, seeing what this 100-plus win team can do. That's right. High expectations, maybe even higher than ever. But Jake Reiner, welcome back as always. How are you doing today? Good to be here, Kevin. I'm so excited for opening day. I, I can't wait until the day our federal government wakes up and makes it a national holiday because it right. just we need that. Um, and I think people deserve to be off work for that day so that they can fully enjoy it. But one thing I do want to remind our listeners and everyone else out there that is listening is that this is 162 games. And we have to remind ourselves of that because last year was a shortened season. But because it's 162, it means that if the Dodgers start slow out of the gate or aren't you know, up to expectations that we just need to chill out for a second. It's a long season. This, this Dodgers team is going to win a hundred plus games and they're going to win the division. So let's, you know, already let's pump the brakes. Cause I know a lot of people out there day one. And in that first series with the Rockies are going to go crazy. If, if the Dodgers lose one of the first two games of the season, that's right. World series are not one in April, unless you're a Mets or Diamondbacks fan or a Padres, or a Padres fan. fan. There you go. Yep. <laughs> So let's get into this. We're going to start with the hitters today, and we're going to work our way around the diamond, but we'll start out in the outfield. Leading off for the Dodgers, of course, is Mookie Betts. We would assume he's the right fielder. And, I mean, what is there left to say about this guy? Arguably the best player in baseball. Definitely the best player in the National League, at least heading into the season. Last season, batted 292, 16 home runs. 39 RBIs. He got on base a whole lot as well. The one weird thing with Betts in 2020, though, he struggled against lefties. He had zero home runs and he hit 200 against them. So what are your expectations for Mookie Betts heading into this first full season with the Dodgers? I mean, he's in his prime. Uh, I think we're going to see the best is yet to come for this dude. I think we're going to see a gold glove, gold glove caliber season. I think we're going to see a very well-rounded offensive performance. Uh, he may not hit 30 home runs, uh, but he's going to get on base. He's going to drive in runs. He's going to steal bases and he's going to be the table setter uh, for Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, the list goes on. So, you know, he's not my MVP pick. Uh, the national league got a lot better this year. 
Uh, I think he's going to put up an MVP caliber type season all around. Uh, but he's, he's, you know, he's the core of the Dodgers. He, he is the future of the Dodgers. He's the now of the Dodgers and he's, he's what makes it all go. And we saw that what happened last year. I think you can make uh, a few arguments for players on this team as to who do you want taking the most at bats in a, in any given game. And you could make an argument for Corey Seager. You can make an argument for Justin Turner. You can make an argument for Cody Bellinger. That's why they're at or near the top of this lineup. But I think Mookie Betts is probably my pick for the guy that I want coming up the majority of the time throughout the game. He is a guy that can affect the game at any point in time. And you want him coming up in the late innings uh, with a chance to do damage. I think we are going to see an MVP caliber season. And I'm excited for fans to get to finally witness Mookie Betts in person. Last year, it was sort of that awkward, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air meme where Will Smith is standing in an empty living room, Mookie Betts walking into Dodger Stadium. Nobody's there to appreciate this guy. And I think we all appreciated him from afar, but now we're going to actually get to be there and witness it in person. And that, as we know, is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, you guys already shared everything you need to know about Mookie Betts. Really exciting that fans are actually going to get to see him, as Jake mentioned, in person. Because I think once you see him with your eyes at Dodger Stadium or wherever you may be, any of the ballparks, he's going to blow people away. There's a reason this guy won the 2018 AL MVP. He came in second in 2020. He was on pace for a ridiculous war. It would have been probably over nine. So this guy is really good. And we saw a number of amazing defensive plays in the last postseason. So you could say maybe the best is yet to come. So let's talk about center fielder. This guy's been around for a few seasons now. It's, of course, Cody Bellinger. And there's a couple storylines to discuss with Bellinger. First of all, in 2020, he did kind of have a down season. He batted 239 with a 333 on base, 12 home runs, 30 RBIs. But... Ultimately, at the end of the day, it didn't matter. He was able to make amazing defensive plays in the postseason. He showed he could be the best defensive center fielder in baseball. And he had one of the most iconic hits in Dodgers history, that game seven go-ahead home run off the Braves relief pitcher, Chris Martin. So what do you guys expect to see from Cody Bellinger this upcoming year? I think it's going to be slow out of the gate for Cody Bellinger because as we know, he's recovering from that shoulder surgery. And again, I would caution Dodgers fans, like just let him do what he needs to do to get back into rhythm. He will be that guy sooner than later. Um, But we just have to allow him to fully recover and get back into the quote unquote swing of things. But I think Cody Bellinger is going to be a huge part of this offense this year. I think that Dave Roberts knows that it's why he's putting him in the middle of this order, uh, whether he's batting fourth or fifth or third Uh, personally though, you know, if I was constructing the lineup, I'd like him to bat a little lower just so that he can kind of go through the motions and, and, you know, get himself right uh, and then move him back up to the middle of the order. But Hey, you know, wherever he hits, I'm happy with it. I'm happy that he's going to be in the starting lineup. That was what I was worried about. Uh, And he even mentioned that if he wasn't ready defensively, he was going to be out there, but I'm glad he's going to be out there. Um, You know, I know we've talked about his batting stance before, but uh, it seems like it is working so far. We've seen him hit a few balls out of the park in spring training. So 
I'm not expecting him to, to light the world on fire right out of the gate. I think it'll be a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two before he really gets going. I'm expecting a huge year from Cody Bellinger. I think we're going to see 2019 Cody Bellinger. I agree that he's going to start maybe a little slow out of the gate, get his feet under him. Uh, and I, I love the stance. We talked about this on a previous episode. I like how he's opening up the stance. He's going to be able to get his hands through the inside part of the zone much better. Uh, what I'm looking for mostly, though, from Cody Bellinger is, is uh, getting, his, getting his barrel on, on the ball. Uh, 2019, his MVP year, his barrel percentage was 13%. Uh, 2017, his rookie year where he, he, he starred was 12.2%. Uh, we go to 2018 where he had somewhat of a down year. It was 8.6%. And last year it was 9.4%. So my point is when Cody Bellinger gets the barrel on the ball, it goes far and it goes very hard. Uh, so I'm looking for that. I think we're going to see a lot of that. He's got people in front of him. He's got people behind him. No pressure in this Dodgers lineup. And I think we're going to have a huge, huge year from Cody Bellinger starting somewhat a little late. I give him two weeks to get his feet under him. And then I'm expecting big things. He's going to be thrown into the fire right away because Roberts did say just the other day, he's going to start Bellinger in cleanup in the cleanup role. So we'll see how long he's able to hold on to that. I know he has been a little slow this spring batting 160 with two home runs, two RBIs, but it's Cody Bellinger, man. This guy is one of the best hitters in baseball. He looks like he's on the path to be a hall of famer one day. And I still think he'll hit 30 plus home runs in 2021. Yeah. Which, which by his standards is good. You know, if, I mean, if he hits 30 home runs, drives in a hundred runs, that's, that's, that's good for him, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Left field gets a little more interesting and we'll start with AJ Pollock because we don't really know who the everyday left fielder is, but they're definitely paying Pollock the most. He actually had a really good 2020. He was tied for the team lead in home runs with 16. Mookie Betts also had 16. His slugging was just off the charts, well over 500. Didn't take a whole lot of walks. The on-base was a little low, 314. I don't don't really like that. And defensively, he was fine. But obviously, he hasn't looked like that same A.J. Pollock this spring. He has a 504 OPS, which is really low. And we're going to compare him to Chris Taylor in a couple minutes because we do have a fan question on that. But jumping with A.J. Pollock first, what are your expectations this season? I, I think with the way that the Dodgers lineup is constructed and how, how much production we're going to get out of pretty much every other spot in that lineup, I'm not expecting much from Pollock. And I think anything that we do get that is positive is good. So I'm not expecting him to, to rely on him that much. I think against lefties, he'll probably be a little more featured, um, but for me, and I know we'll probably get into this as you alluded to Kevin, uh, to talk about Chris Taylor, but I, I don't think Pollock should be starting in this lineup. I, I don't think that he is, he has shown at least in this spring that he has it down. And I, I worry a little defensively where we're, you know, whereas if you have Taylor out there, you, you gain a couple extra steps in the outfield, not to mention Taylor's been setting the world on fire this spring. As you mentioned, Kevin Pollock, he's hitting a buck 46. Uh, he does have a home run and four RBIs and a double, but he just does not look uh, locked in there. And again, I think anything we do get is good, but I'm not, I'm not expecting him to put up the numbers that he did last season. My expectations are very low. Uh, this has been a rough spring for AJ Pollock. I 
you know, they don't need him. They, they really don't need him to do much. Uh, so basically, AJ, just hit lefties, and, and that's that's about it. That's about all we need from you. Chris Taylor's lighting the world on fire right now. I'm hoping we get a, a little bounce back once the regular season starts, but his job is just to hit lefties, that's it, and not make any errors in left field. Yeah, so you guys said it. This will be Pollock's third season already as a Dodger. Time is flying by. But Chris Taylor, he is entering his sixth season as a Dodger, and – you kind of have to double take that because it's like, wow, Chris Taylor's really been a Dodger now for six years. It feels like he was just acquired the other day. But does that mean Zach Lee's been a Mariner for six years too? <laughs> I don't know where Zach Lee is, to be honest. But yeah, Taylor is just on fire. Five home runs, 14 RBIs, as mentioned, a 1.226 OPS. And I'll just jump into the fan question right now from Brogen Truin. I like that. Between Pollock, Taylor, and Lux, which two will see the most playing time? That's a tough question because it's it's not phrased which two should see the most playing time, which would be an easy answer for me. Uh, if it was should see the most playing time, it would be Taylor and Lux for me. Uh, but in the reality of things, I think it's going to be a pretty much even split between the three of them. I think they're going to play Pollock versus lefties, I, you know, Roberts has said they're going to play Lux as an everyday player. So we'll see how many at-bats he gets, gets against lefties. Uh, but frankly, you know, I would honestly guess that they're all going to be around 33% of the, of the playing time. Yeah. And just, and just so that we're all squared, uh, apparently Zach Lee is in the Diamondbacks organization. Good for him. Um, yeah. Good for him. So he's back in the NL West. Um, so, Here's my take on Chris Taylor. I think it's time that the Dodgers start him versus righties versus lefties. I think he should be in the starting lineup every single day. He looks absolutely locked in. He's, you know, has a over well over a thousand OPS in spring training, five home runs. I mean, he just looks really good. He looks like the Chris Taylor we saw in the 2017 NLCS when he won uh, the co-MVP with Justin Turner. That's what he looks like to me. And I think, I think he's earned that, earned that spot. And I know that Roberts wants to use him. The Dodgers want to use him as a utility guy so they can put him all over the field. But I think that's why you got Zach McKinstry coming off the bench. He can be that guy. And of course you can move Taylor wherever you need to in game. But in terms of the offensive production that he is putting out there, I, I think he needs to get the majority of the time over AJ Pollock. As far as Gavin Lux goes, I think he's locked up the starting second baseman job and he will have that job the rest of the season. I, I fully expect that. Yeah. I think at this point, Pollock is more of a platoon batter. He absolutely crushes lefties and I'll give him full credit on that. He was really good last season. I mentioned the slugging was over 500. That's incredible, but you know, you have to play the best men this year. And Chris Taylor has been a consistently good hitter for the Dodgers over his entire tenure now. And he had a great season in his own right in 2020. Batted 270 with a 366 on base, eight home runs, 32 RBIs, 20 extra base hits total. And defensively, he is underrated as well. I mean, he's no Kike Hernandez, but Taylor is a great defender with his own respect. So I think he's an everyday player. And it's the final year in his possibly for his contract as a Dodgers. So I think he's going to go out with a bang. And what and Taylor, does he hit lefties? Well, of course. Yeah. He yeah. Play, he's, he so. plays lefties every start pretty much. 
Yeah. So that's why, that's why I'm like, I mean, I guess, I guess they, they may, they may take Lux out versus a lefty and have him at second and, and Pollock and left, which is, which is fine. But I, I, I just, I'd, I'd like to see Chris Taylor get a majority of the at bat. So when he's not spelling Gavin Lux, he's in left field. So Zach McKinstry is making the opening day roster as well. He was the last man announced positional player wise and good for him. He had a great spring batted over 300. He makes great contact on the ball. And obviously he's a very flexible utility man can play all over the field. So for me, the expectations aren't really that high. I'm going to be more realistic on him. You know, if he can bat around 250 to 270 and just get on base at a 330 clip, I'll take that because I think that's all I really need from him. I'm excited for McKinstry. Uh, he's going to play all around the field. He'll be, he'll be playing on guys off days. He'll be playing basically everywhere. Who knows? He could hit lead off sometimes on bets off days. I'm excited to see what this kid can do. I think he's a future piece of some kind. I don't know if he's a future starter, but he's certainly looking like it. So this is going to be a here to watch Zach McKinstry play baseball. Yeah, I'm excited for McKinstry too. As you guys know, I've been following him throughout the spring. He's looked really good. He looks like he belongs. And I think that he did have something to prove in spring because there were a lot of candidates for, for these bench positions. And I think he proved that he that he belongs there and that he should be there. So I, I'm excited to see what he does. Um, I'm a little worried, uh, not really that worried, but like, you know, a little concerned with the fact that we have a lot of lefties off the bench um and so McKinstry not not a switch hitter he's a left left-handed hitter and so with him Beatty and Rios um and then we just talked about the the Chris Taylor AJ Pollock deal it's not we don't really have a lot of guys that could potentially come off the bench in a late game situation uh right-handed wise and that and that's a little bit of a concern for me yeah I mean you you just mentioned Rios and Beatty so we can just talk about them real quick Neither of them ended up having that great of a spring. I know Beatty started off really hot, was batting in the 300s, but as the season went on, his batting average took a dip. But the one positive with Matt Beatty is he did look a lot more locked in and disciplined at the plate and not as overwhelmed like he did last season. Uh, Rios, very slow spring, but we saw what he did last season. Guy can just hit for power. What do you have, eight home runs? I might be mistaken on that, but... Regardless, he hit back-to-back home runs in the NLCS. So if he gets locked in at the plate, I definitely love the versatility of Rios in the infield. But I do think at one point, Beatty or Rios will see a demotion because we do have some other guys in DJ Peters and Sheldon Noisy who didn't make the team initially. But I expect to see both of them at some point this season. I just think it's going to be hard for them to get at bats, honestly. And and that was that was my concern with them is that they're they're both – kind of that pinch hitter in the late in the late innings and maybe they they come off the bench and start when they need to give guys a rest out there but I'm just worried that they're gonna that they're not gonna have enough at bats to stay sharp because they're both kind of the same uh, they're both kind of a similar player they both kind of play the same position um I, I would say I would give the power edge to Rios obviously but very similar players I hope that they that they both can stay sharp throughout the season yeah i kind of look at Beatty as like a late inning pinch hitter who can just give you a good at bat when you need it uh get on maybe get on base work the count and rios is a guy who you plug in when you're looking for a home run and that's about it 
Uh, I think Rios will play on, on Turner off days more. For, he'll, I think Rios will have more opportunities than Beatty, uh, regardless of what he does at the plate. I think that's just how it's going to go. Uh, but both both guys can contribute in their own way. I'm not, you know, not too huge expectations on either, but they're both professional hitters. Let me ask you guys this question. So if if Turner needs a day off and let's say Taylor is not available to play third, maybe he's maybe he's in left, maybe you need him in left. Who are you putting at third? You putting you putting Rios over there? Are you gonna move Muncie over to third and put Rios at first? What what would I'd, you guys rather have? I'd put Rios at third and Muncie at first. Yeah, I'm starting Rios over Matt Beatty at this point. I just think there's more upside when you have Rios in the lineup. Beatty obviously can make better contact, but just the home run potential with Rios, if he gets dialed in, he could possibly hit 20 home runs this season if he gets enough at-bats because he did have eight in a 60-game season. So the talent with him is there, and there's a reason he was the higher pedigree when it came to prospect ranking. I sort of see Rios as sort of like a Nomar Mazzara type of guy that that's kind of like yeah. feast or famine. That can, reminds that me can of get Gallo. You. Yeah, Gallo. Yeah, yeah. Too. Gallo. yeah. Let's move it into the infield now where we can talk about our starters and we'll lead this one off with Max Muncy. Now Ma- Muncy had a down season, batted 192 with a 331 on base, 389 slugging, but he didn't manage to hit 12 home runs with 27 RBIs and he drew 39 walks. Now, he did look more like the Max Muncy that we were accustomed to seeing in the postseason. But thankfully, Muncy had that two-home run game against the Angels just the other evening because before that, he was also looking a little slow. But let's talk about Muncy. What are your expectations? What do you predict with this guy? I'm, I'm like Cody Bellinger. I think we're going to see a resurgence from Max Muncy. I think we're going to see 2018, 2019 Max Muncy. Uh, he hit into some bad luck last year. He really did. He had a high... Uh, Babip and he had a great barrel percentage, 12%. Uh, so I think he just basically hit into a lot of bad luck last year. Nobody has a better eye in the entire MLB. He's going to walk. He's going to see a lot of pitches. He's going to get on base and he's going to drive in runs. 162 game season, much more room for error. You're able to, you know, go in highs and lows. It's not going to be so scrutinized over like a 60 game season was. So I think Max Muncy is truly going to benefit from a longer season and we're going to see the results like we're used to seeing. I, I totally agree with you, David. I think I think we're going to see the Max Muncy of old. I think he's going to put up 35 home runs, drive in 100 runs uh, this season. I think he I think he's going to be back. His swing looks really good in spring. He is the pop is back there. Um, and again, Muncy's the type of guy where he could bat a buck 50 for the whole season, but his on base percentage could be, you know, close to 400 because of the fact that he works counts and does get walks and that that part of his game never slumps. And so that's what you saw in the postseason. He was able to wear down guys. And it was, it was such a beautiful thing to watch as, as a baseball fan, the, the, just the at bat quality that he had in the postseason and, and the ability for the Dodgers to start rallies with two outs. Muncie was huge in, in passing the baton in those scenarios. The only thing, the only knock on Muncie that I have is that I just wish that his uh, defensive skills were a little bit sharper uh, at first base. I feel like there are a lot of balls that that should have been, that should be gobbled up where we didn't have to worry with an Adrian Gonzalez or even a James Loney over there. Um, they were able to to gobble up those those errant throws um, from the, from the left side of the infield. 
I mean, yeah. he's been in the top 7% of walk rate in the MLB for the last three years. Last year is in the top 7%, 2019 top 4%, and 2018 top 2%. I don't think there's anyone else who matches that. Yeah, his ability to generate walks is just something that I'm sure Billy Bean, if he had him in the Moneyball movie, he would be drooling and just going to bed a very smiling man every night. Well, didn't they have him? I mean, they did have him. They had him, but they didn't didn't do the right thing with him, apparently. But yeah, 35 home runs in both 2018 and 2019. So the power upside with this guy is incredible. And you would expect to see another 30-plus home runs in 2021. We talked about him earlier. Gavin Lux handed the starting second base job by Dave Roberts, and he earned it. He had a really great spring training He batted 333 with a 360 on base. He got a home run against the Angels, six RBIs and 16 hits. This is a former number two overall prospect. So I know David's a big Lux fan. What are the expectations for Gavin Lux and what would be his first full season as a Dodger? There's no one I'm rooting for more on the Dodgers than Gavin Lux. Uh, This kid has been counted out by many fans who have judged him based off of 30 or 40 at bats over two seasons. Yeah. 151 Uh, career plate appearances. Yeah. He only had, I think it was 60 last year and a couple, you know, 20, 30 before the year before that, my expectations are they're high, but I'm not expecting an all-star campaign. I'm expecting him to put up solid at bats, get on base, hit some home runs and play solid defense. And that's all the Dodgers need from him. Yes. He's the top prospect. Yes. He has extremely high expectations to be that all-star one day, uh, but you got to realize this kid's still what, 22, 21. Uh, so I'm not going to put these lofty high expectations on this young guy uh, who's in his first full season of being the guy at second base. So yeah, I'm expecting him to hit around ideally around 270, 15 home runs, some RBIs and mostly just get on base. Cause that's going to be his job to turn the lineup over towards the bottom of the lineup. All I have to say is that it must be a dream scenario for a top prospect to be on this Dodgers team. And what I mean by that is, is that they don't have to be the guy. There are so many other guys on this team that we will be relying on for production to where Gavin Lux can kind of do his thing. He's not going to be the leadoff hitter. He's not going to be the number three hitter. He's going to bat somewhere near the bottom, seven, eight. Maybe, you know, sometimes nine, whether they're, you know, with, with the DH uh, when they play American League teams. So for me, I'm just, I'm excited to see what he can do at second base finally. And I think a lot of people, we need to give, we need to be patient with him um, because of the fact that he's not had a full season yet. And I think a lot of people were unfairly criticizing him for the production that he's put out there so far. You think about, you know, we talked about it what is it, 150-plus at-bats in the major leagues? That's nothing. Not to mention the fact that he had to spend the whole season pretty much on the alternate site last year and didn't have minor leagues to keep him sharp. So what do you expect? This is what this is the first season we're going to really get a good look at him. I'm super excited. He looks really good this spring, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Yeah. Yeah, can we end that narrative? There's a couple people online who's like, oh, he's got the yips. He, he'll never be a defensive. He can never play shortstop ever if the Dodgers lose Corey Seager. Can we stop that? He's a professional baseball player. He made a couple errant throws. Maybe he had a little something going on in his head with the throws. But to say that he's not capable defensively after a couple errors last year is ridiculous. So that narrative needs to stop. 
Also, I, and I know Kevin's going to get mad at me for this, but Corey Seager's no Ozzy Smith over there. So, like, let's yeah. chill out. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, taking shots at Corey Seager. <laughs> Unnecessary right there. There's a reason Gavin Lux was essentially untradeable by Andrew Friedman. And this is just the first step in what will be a very successful career as a Dodger for Lux. So Jake already mentioned, expect him to do great things at the bottom of the order. And maybe later in the season, if he gets hot, he'll be at the top of the lineup. We just have to wait and see. So speaking of shortstop, the Dodgers have what it, what I would think is the best shortstop in major league baseball. And I know Fernando Tatis jr. Is out there in San Diego and they locked him up with that massive 12 year contract. And he's the face of MLB somehow, but Corey Seager is on fire this spring training, just like he was in the postseason. He's batting 347 this spring, eight home runs, which leads the Dodgers and is up there at all of MLB 16 RBIs, Last season, he batted 307, 15 home runs, 41 RBIs, had a postseason to remember where he had eight home runs and 20 RBIs with a 1.171 OPS batting 328. So there's a couple things to talk about with Seager, but we'll start with this simple one. What do you expect from Corey Seager this year? I think he's the best offensive shortstop in baseball. I think he's going to finish in the top three in MVP voting. And I think we're going to see his career highs in home runs, in RBIs, in hits, uh, and in, in slugging percentage. I think it's, it is a contract year for him. Uh, Scott Boris is his agent, and he's going to try to give Scott a lot of room to work with to get him that $350, $360 million contract. What I'm really happy about is that we're finally seeing Corey Seager at his healthiest. And that is the most important thing, because when he's healthy, he is the like we're saying, one of the top, if not the top shortstop in all of baseball. The one thing that I, you know, always kind of knock him for and, and why I wouldn't say he is the overall best shortstop in baseball is his fielding is just not very good. Um, and, and I, I just don't find him to be a, you know, a guy that that's going to be, you know, putting up great defensive numbers or making, you know, great defensive plays. And I just, wish he wouldn't backhand every ground ball. But anyway, that's the only, the only bad things I can say about Corey Seager because he is an offensive machine. And when you look at all of the lineups across baseball, I don't think you'll find a better one-two punch with Mookie Betts and Corey Seager. Find me, find me a top two in any other lineup. You can't find it. I mean, that is just a deadly combination. And like what I was saying before, who do you want to have the most at-bats per game? You want Mookie Betts and you want Corey Seager. Those are your two best hitters right now. Yeah, I mean, overall defensively, I think he's fine. He's not obviously a gold glover top five defensive player, but he's not like a Hanley Ramirez out there where every ball that comes out of his hand, you're like, where's this one going to go? Like, no, I agree. He's better than Hanley Ramirez, but yeah. he, he, still, he still does make me nervous. So I think Corey Seager, on the same page as David, is going to have – a career year. I think he'll bat around 300. He'll have over 30 home runs, over 100 RBIs. He'll score over 100 runs. He's setting himself up for my next question. Whether you give me AAV annual annual average annual value or just the contract in total, what do you think Corey Seager is going to make this upcoming offseason, given that he's healthy and you know? Oh man. Well, I think 10 years is the minimum. And I think it'll be around 
340 million if he has a career year and stays healthy. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, do my, I guess my question is because we we found out that um, that Francisco Lindor wants twelve years, three eighty five, yeah. which I think yeah, that's not bit, happening, and he's not much. worth that either. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I don't. I can't imagine someone getting a bigger extension than Mookie Betts got. I mean, when you talk about overall yeah. talent, um, so yeah, I think I think David's right. I think it's going to be in, in a ten year range um, at you know. 33 330 to 340 maybe um yeah. that's what i'm that's what i'm going with yeah machado got 10 years 300 million i think given just inflation Corey seager will get 10 years and probably 330 million which would be 33 yeah. million a year sounds about right and yeah lindor just just given already i mean that's a lot of money to turn down so yeah, just just take the money man what justin turner <laughs> Third baseman, he's coming back. He signed a two-year guaranteed deal this offseason. I know you guys really wanted him back. Most Dodger fans wanted him back because he is essentially the heart and soul of this team. This is going to be his eighth season with the Dodgers. He's coming off a great 2020, batted 307 with a 400 on base. He slimmed down this offseason. He looks like he's committed to win. So I know it's probably a boring question, but what do you expect to see out of Turner this year? In the regular season, not much, and I don't really care. Uh, I just want him to stay healthy uh, because once he gets going towards the end of the year, uh, there's not really stopping him. I'm, I don't care if he's old. I don't want to hear that narrative. He's old. He can't hit. He can't move. None of the, we, he proved last year in the playoffs, specifically in the World Series, that it doesn't matter. He, he was catching up to Glasnow's fastball. He was catching up to all these guys. So basically my expectations are I hope the Dodgers – take it easy with him i hope they give him a lot of off days i hope they take care of his health so that the back stretch of the year they can play him he can get hot and he can help the team in the playoffs i agree and that was one of the reasons why i was disappointed to see that they weren't able to work out a deal to get a universal dh because i really wanted the dodgers to be able to use that for justin turner and for guys like cody bellinger who are recovering from injury I hope they give him as, as much rest as he needs. And I think the Dodgers have a number of options they can plug in over at third. We already talked about Chris Taylor, Edwin Rios, Matt Beatty, uh, Zach McKinstry. Um, those are the guys that even Max Muncy can slide over there. So I, I hope that they're able to give him enough uh, time off his feet. But I mean, look, he came into camp looking like, and, and to, to quote the cliche, in the best shape of his life. I mean, he looked really good and really like toned and thin. And um, he looks so both him and Ryan Zimmerman are 36 years old and Ryan Zimmerman really looks it. Uh, yeah, he's, if, he lumbers not, out there. Not this spring. I know. I know. I'm just saying appearance wise, he looks it, but yeah, when he absolutely. steps out onto the field with the bat, it's a whole different story. I think it's similar is that people don't expect Justin Turner to be as good as he is. And he's been doing that his entire career. It's the LeBron James effect. <laughs> yeah, they're working out together i bet yeah turner most postseason hits in dodgers franchise history 79 and i think part of the reason they acquired sheldon noisy this offseason is to give turner some days off as the dog days of summer pick up because it's a long season jake mentioned that at the beginning of the, the show like i think some people are going to forget how long 162 games really is yeah it's a good point a whole year off of that 
you know, maybe we'll, we may see more injuries. Yeah, they're already piling up around MLB, and we'll talk about some later. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. Support for The Incline is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. April is here, and you know what that means. Baseball is back, baby. So dust off your mitt and cleats this spring and be ready for first pitch. Just like the crew will be mowing their stadium grass, Manscaped products provide the best tools for your own personal grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code INCLINE20. Manscaped hooked us up with a bunch of their products, including the Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Trust me, as someone who has sensitive skin, the Lawnmower 3.0 with their advanced skin-safe technology provides smooth precision, and it's waterproof to make your shave clean and easy. So guys and ladies who are listening, get 20% off plus free shipping with INCLINE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code INCLINE20. So strike out your pubes with Manscaped this season. Your balls will thank you. All right, guys. So we actually have another fan question, and I wanted to give this listener a shout-out. Jessica Akiyama, who is one of our most loyal and dedicated listeners. So she wants to know, there were rumblings of the idea of Lux maybe seeing some outfield. Do you guys think we'll see Lux in the outfield at any point this season? I could see it maybe for a couple games just to try it out. Specifically, maybe if there's an injury to, to Pollock or Taylor or something. Uh, but I think they're going to try to keep Lux at second and shortstop on Seager off days. I think having guys like Beatty, Taylor, McKinstry, all of these options that you can plug out there in the outfield, I don't think that there's going to be a need for Lux to be out there. I think Lux being out there may be a last resort, or if they wanted to get some reps in there at some point, maybe they do it on, you know, in a, in a blowout game or, or whatever, but I don't, I think it'll be more of an emergency situation. Yeah. I think especially they just want to keep his headspace where it's at right now and not, you know, throw the outfield on him too. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out left field possibly maybe one or two appearances, but I think they'll keep him in the infield for the most part. So let's round this out now with catchers. It's coming down to a 1A and one and a 1. Will Smith and Austin Barnes. I mean, the, the sky is high with Will Smith. He's having a great spring. He continues to rake. What do you look for with these catchers heading into the season? I mean, I think it's the best catching duo in baseball. I think Will Smith is a future perennial all-star. He just needs to work on his defense a little bit more. I think we've already seen signs of the framing being a lot better this offseason, the spring training. And uh, Barnes is is steady. Uh, His his bat has remained steady. He's, I don't know what he did between, you know, last year and then through this year, but he's, he's now a capable hitter. And I would like to see Smith start a lot more than Dave Roberts said he's going to start, but it is what it is. Uh, this is why another reason why I would love the DH. You could see Smith in there every day. Yeah, I really love this catching duo, not only because Will Smith is an incredible hitter. I mean, just insane the amount of production he's been able to provide in a very short period of time and in the clutch. I think that's important is that Will Smith has come through in, in a lot of clutch situations and Austin Barnes has come through in a lot of clutch situations with the bat 
Um, he basically, uh, you know, was the reason that Blake Snell got taken out of the game in game six of the world series. So we can't forget about that, but I think Austin Barnes, um, is, is certainly going to be Kershaw's catcher. Um, and he'll probably catch, you know, one other pitcher on a regular basis. Um, but what tends to happen with Barnes is that, um, the Dodgers lean heavily on him when the playoffs start. And I think that they'll, they'll probably do something similar to that. Um, in the playoffs, they'll probably lean on him a little bit more um, when they need someone who's really steady behind the plate. But I really would like to see Will Smith uh, hone in his skills and maybe uh, become a little bit better of a pitch framer and also a little bit better of a, of a guy that can block the ball um, and, and not let the ball get, get behind him. Yeah, I mean, Robert said it's going to be a 90-ish, 70 split or whatever between Smith and Barnes. And honestly, I don't care who starts at this point. I think you give Will Smith more opportunities this season just because it's not a 60-game race anymore where every game is going to count. So I'd like to see them give Smith, build more of a repertoire with the pitchers. And, you know, I think there are definitely signs that he's improving defensively. And, you know, it's a whole different story come postseason. We'll see where we'll see where the chemistry is at with both these guys. But, yeah, I mean, Smith's bat just speaks for itself. Batted 289 with a 401 on base last season with eight home runs. So let that guy start. Just yeah, and, start. And, and the one and one other thing is, is because the because the Dodgers have two really good catchers, you're not having your backup catcher start once a week or once every two weeks. And you're not putting all that pressure on, on the, the uh, starting catcher. And I think that that's important in, in a 162 where you're going to need to give rest to your catchers. And it's nice, both of them fairly young to be able to give them that the rest that they need early in their career so that they're not, you know, hobbling by that, by the end of it. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a catching trio at this point because Cabo Ruiz has entered the entered the discussion, but that's a whole nother topic in itself. So let's move on to the pitching and we have to start with the goat Clayton Kershaw opening day starter, as mentioned, and we're going live on locker room. So make sure to download that app after the game, we're doing a post game show live on locker room. So check that out. Look it up online. They just got purchased by Spotify. So they must be doing something right. So, so Clayton Kershaw entering the 14th season with the Dodgers Final year of his contract, three-time Cy Young Award winner, 6-2 and two record, 216 ERA last season, was nearly unhittable in the regular season. Um, there is something, though, to discuss, and it's his spring training. He was really bad, a 10-22 ERA with a 195 whip. Any concerns? No. No concerns. I, I think, again, he's not the guy anymore. He's not, he's not the guy you have to rely on anymore he is one of the many you know aces of this staff and so Kershaw is going to pitch well and he's going to and he and he would be an ace on any other staff but this one and so I'm not worried about his spring training at all I love the fact that he's healthy enough to start opening day and I think that the that the Dodgers are going to be pleasantly surprised we always are it's it never seems, you know, he never ceases to disappoint in the sense of you expect him to not be as good as he is. And then he's better than that. I, I agree with that 
they don't need him to be the ace in in teams of the past uh specifically you know three plus years ago and backwards he was all they had he was he would put the team on his back and they needed him to be dominant and that's not the case anymore that hasn't been the case for you know basically since walker bueller entered the discussion but i would be lying if i said i didn't have a little bit of concern uh the velocity wasn't sharp in spring training and with Kershaw when the fastball velocity goes that makes the slider not as effective the curveball tip-top shape perfect curveball no problems with the curveball but with the velocity the fastball velocity that in turn makes the slider less effective so yes there is a little bit of a concern on my end can he get that velocity back his next start yes so I'm not overly concerned uh, but I am a little bit concerned just based off what I've seen so far yeah, whatever happens in Coors Field, I'm just going to pretend it doesn't count because the yeah. balls just do not break the way they normally do at any other ballpark. And David mentioned the velocity. It is down. We're seeing probably 2019 Clayton Kershaw, which was still a really good pitcher at the end of the day. But, you know, to be a realist, I think his ERA will probably hover in the mid to high threes this season, which is still fine. I will take that. And David, don't go disrespecting my boy Zach Ranky like that. He was also there for a number of years. Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> Just playing. Any other final thoughts on Kershaw? Okay, Trevor Bauer is their number two starter by by rotation standards. Postseason, different story, so don't get all heated. Like, yes, I know Walker Buehler's there. He signed a big contract this offseason. Three years, $102 million. He was the Cy Young Award winner. He was nearly unhittable. He had a .79 whip. 73 innings, 173 ERA, best in baseball. And we've seen some antics from Trevor Bauer in a good way. The one-eyed close, trolling Jose Ramirez, getting a little into it with some reporters. Expectations for Bauer and how excited are we that he's donning a Dodger uniform? You know what I've been most encouraged by is the response that he's gotten from his teammates and from his manager. And I think that that was something that I was that I was curious about because he came to the Dodgers as this sort of controversial figure, high profile guy. Um, it's sort of split Dodgers fans on Twitter. Um, they seem to still be in some sort of civil war with one another, which I just think is silly and stupid. But the 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 barometer that I'm using is is Dave Roberts and the rest of this team. And so far, he's been an absolute pleasure. And he's added a lot uh, cerebrally and the fact that he's been able to, uh, you know, add his two cents as another pretty much another pitcher player coach, if you will. Um, his spring has been a little shaky here and there. I mean, he does have a, you know, a four two four ERA, but he does have 28 strikeouts yeah. and only six walks. So exactly. he's, he's been dominating. And, and I think the ERA looks a little big only because of that one or two starts where he was trying to ramp up his pitch is his pitch count. And he got rocked. I have high expectations and, and we all should, uh, this guy is going to be making the most money out of any player in major league baseball this year. I'm looking forward to seeing him in a regular season game. We've seen some of the antics. Uh, I enjoy him. I think it's funny. I think it's good for baseball. I think he's talented enough to get away with it. Uh, but I'm more looking forward to regular season where there's no more dicking around. Uh, he's going to just go out there and try to dominate. No more eyes closed. No more, you know, John with other people smiling and saying, here's my fastball, go hit it. 
So I'm expecting this guy to be the, basically the metaphorical ace of the staff this year. I'm expecting a lot of strikeouts. I'm expecting a lot of innings and I'm expecting a lot of wins. I have mid-level expectations. I think the number one reason they signed him, obviously the talent's there, but they just need someone to eat up innings because you look around the league and teams are already getting decimated with injuries and the Dodgers were just struggling along at the end of the postseason, having to make a lot of bullpen starts. And now you add Trevor Bauer into the mix because there's some other guys who I will talk about in just a second that are not going to pitch 30 starts. So to me, Trevor Bauer, he's going to do his thing. He's going to have a three ERA probably. He's going to get a lot of strikeouts. And come postseason, he's going to bring his A game because the guy struck out 12 Braves. So you know he's good. Yeah. Twitter's going to be an annoying place to be on his start days. Depends which side you're on. So I don't care what side you're on. It's annoying. <laughs> People are annoying. So he's rocking a 794 ERA, but we all, we already know Walker Buehler is a guy that just tends to turn it on once the season gets heated up and things matter. I mean, there's not much to say about Buehler. He's probably going to have a slow start, but his postseason numbers speak for themselves. It works. He has a 235 career postseason ERA. Last season, he ended up having a 344 ERA, which is pretty solid. I know there are some people out there that pick Walker Buehler to win their Cy Young award. I am not one of those people. I don't think he has that kind of mentality just yet. If I there's one could... guy I couldn't be less concerned about, it's Walker Buehler. I, I don't care what he does in the, pre, in the uh, uh, spring training. I don't care what he does in the regular season. Because you know when it's the postseason, that dude's going to get up, smell some smelling salts, maybe slap himself in the face a couple times, and throw seven innings and strike out 12 batters and give up zero runs. Don't care about anything Walker Buehler does in spring training or the regular season. That dude's going to be ready to go when it matters. End of discussion. I think Walker Buehler is is going to have a breakout season this year. I mean, I I, I honestly do. I, I feel it. Um, I think that he is is coming in off the high of, of winning a World Series. Everyone knows he's the guy when you need a, a win and you need you need a, a guy to go out and shove. He's that guy. He's got all the confidence in the world. And if he's healthy and his blisters are not popping up, then I expect him to have one of his best seasons this year. People are going to hate this comparison because of the personality, but player-wise, he's like the modern-day Kurt Schilling. I knew you were going there with that. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't know if he'll ever win a Cy Young because he – just pitches the smart way. He builds himself up as the season goes. He doesn't lay it all out there in April when it doesn't matter. And when the postseason's here or game 163, that's when he brings it. I mean, well, I think that still, I think he's still real young. Yeah. And I think that's the, all the three of us really care about is, you know, how well does he do in the postseason? We know the Dodgers are going to get there. They don't, they don't need Walker Bueller to get there. They don't need Trevor Bauer to get them there, but they do need them to perform when we do get there. Exactly. So the guy that's having a really impressive spring, 169 ERA over 16 innings. He's the confirmed number four starter. Starter, It's Julio Urias. Any thoughts on Mr. Julio? Yeah, I mean, this is the guy I'm most impressed with this spring. And it's the, the gradual progression of his spring training outings, which culminated last night in a fantastic outing against the Angels, is on point. This dude's ready to go. Uh, we saw it in the playoffs last year. He, he is dominant when he's, when he's on, and he looks on. And I'm excited to see him you know, truly get that first opportunity to just be a starter 
full time, no questions asked. Here's the ball every fifth day. Go get it. So I, I got high expectations for Julio this year. We saw a glimpse of that, what it would look like last year in the shortened season of him being a, a starter every fifth day. And I liked what I saw. I mean, obviously those, those first inning numbers are, are tough to look at, but I, I, I don't think that that is um, reflective of who he is as a, as a pitcher overall. I think he's much better than that. I think those, I think those numbers will go down eventually. And I think this year we will see that as he is going to be a starter, uh, presumably every fifth day for the majority uh, of the season. And that's what I'm excited to see. I'm expecting big things from him. And again, he's another guy where it's like, even if he is not a starter by the end of the season, when, when they go into the postseason, you know what he can do out of the bullpen. And that is like almost like a deadline acquisition, if you will. Yeah. This guy gets almost the same treatment that Gavin Lux is getting. I don't know why people don't think this guy is a starter last season. He, was able to pitch 55 innings and he had a 3.27 ERA and he didn't lose a game. So people need to just get off their high horse and understand that you can use a guy in the rotation and the bullpen. The the postseason's a whole different story in terms of starting games in the regular season. Urias has earned that spot. It's crazy, but he's earned both spots. I mean, he's that dominant. Yep. All right, David typed. Dustin May was announced as the <laughs> fifth starter. So why don't you just start this one off? This is this is the best news that could have possibly happened. This dude is ready to go. Number one competitor on the team, maybe with Walker Bueller. Uh, but let me tell you why this is the right decision. The fast, the forcing fastball usage is up. The breaking ball is sharp. It's more effective. He's throwing it for strikes. He's throwing it out of the zone on purpose and getting swings and misses. And his K percentage is up in spring training. The problem we saw with Dustin May last year is he couldn't finish hitters off. He didn't have a high K percentage. I believe it was in the 27th percentile in the MLB. And that's, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it as a starter. You're not going to be able to go deep into games and he's going to pitch to contact. And with his velocity, they're going to, some of those balls are going to get through the four. He's elevating the four seam fastball. The breaking ball is there. The K percentage is up. This is the absolute right move. I cannot wait to see this guy shove uh, just super thrilled for Dustin May. Also, uh, and I, I'm super excited. I'm actually going to be at his first start in the season in Oakland, and I'll be cheering on, cheering him on loud. <laughs> Wouldn't expect anything less from you, David. That's right. Um, <laughs> um, he's looked he's looked great this spring. I mean, he's got one more start uh, against the Angels tonight, uh, so we'll see how that goes. But so far, I mean, he's he's pitched in four games. He's two and zero, two point six three ERA in thirteen uh, and two thirds innings, seventeen strikeouts, six walks, one point two four WHIP. Um, he looks great and I think it's the right move as well. Um, you could have sold me on Tony Gonsolin too. I think that Gonsolin had a really, a really great spring. And I think you could make the argument there, but I think in terms of, uh, of where David price is at, I think, you know, he's obviously a little bit older and, uh, he missed all of last season. And so it's been a little, and he's not really pitched that much this spring. So it's, it's about him ramping up and, and getting to where he needs to be. He also said, Put me in coach wherever you want me to, which is great. He's going to be in the bullpen. We'll see how that works out. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with, with Dustin May. And I think that I'm really excited for him to stay in this rotation for for the remainder of the season. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I think they're going to control his innings just a little bit because I yeah. think the, the most he's ever pitched is 60. It's, well, it's 56. He's never gone over 60, but he earned it. As you guys mentioned, he looked the best of three this spring. Last season, he was great as well with a 257 ERA. I think the key with Dustin May is 
just get him into a rhythm. And, but at some point this season, you got to put him into the bullpen or option him down just because you do not want to risk injuring him or letting him burn out. So that's, that's the key. And they have some great other options as well. So it's not going to be a slap or a knock on May by any means. It's just a matter of protecting his arm. Yep. You'll see Gonsolin and Price and maybe even Jimmy Nelson at some Jimmy point. Nelson. Makes, yeah, starts. Exactly. So let's talk about the bullpen and this name's going to come up no matter what. So I, I might as well just start with him. Kenley Jansen entering his 12th season now with the Dodgers, potentially his last, he will be a free agent. He's had an ERA over three, the last three seasons, but he is the all-time franchise saves leader. Uh, we know he's going to be the closer entering the season. Doesn't necessarily mean he'll be the closer exiting the season, but what do you expect out of Jansen? And I know we all have different opinions. I personally still think he is either going to be the closer or setup reliever off and on all season. And I trust him if it's three runs or two runs, maybe not one run, but I still trust him. <laughs> I, I think, go ahead, Jake. Yeah. I, I, I'm not expecting, I'll say this. I'm not expecting dominance I'm, and I'm not expecting much either. I, I'm expecting him to be good. And I think this spring he showed up and he's pitched really well. He's pitched in eight games this spring, seven and a third inning, 1.23 ERA, 13 strikeouts and a whip under one. I mean, there's not much more you can ask for there. And he looks like he is dominating. Like it's not like he is getting hit hard and, and there's, and the batters are being unlucky. Like he is really mowing these hitters down. But I, I think that, you know, like Kevin said, he'll start the season as the closer. We'll see what happens. The Dodgers have a plethora of other options that they can plug in there. I think by mid season or maybe even a little later, the Dodgers will go from uh, a one closer to a closer by committee. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I think that that's the way that, MLB teams are building their ball clubs nowadays is to just get a bunch of high leverage guys and plug and play and do the matchup game. Um, but in terms of Kenley Jansen, do I, do I still trust him in a high leverage situation? No, I don't until he proves, until he proves that he can, that he can get back to the dominance that he had in previous years. I, I will have to, you know, believe it when I see it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep this short. I think Kenley Jansen can be good. I do. Uh, but I'm just very glad that the Dodgers have Blake Trinan, Corey Knebel, Victor Gonzalez, Jimmy Nelson, David Price, uh, you know, all these guys, Gratterall when he comes back, in the bullpen, ready to go. So I think it's going to be a closer by committee by midseason as well. I think Dave Roberts learned quite a bit from the 2020 playoffs about how effective that can be. Uh, going to the hot hand, going to the matchup. So I'm looking forward to Kenley Jansen having a good year. I am. So Joe Kelly and Brewstar Gradle will start the season on the IL. They just were not able to pitch this spring. Dennis Santana has been optioned to the alternate site for now. So the rest of the bullpen will be Blake Trinan, Victor Gonzalez, Corey Knabel, Jimmy Nelson, Scott Alexander, David Price, and Tony Gonsolin. So give me a Give me a few names that you're interested in this season, and we'll just try to we'll try to uh, wrap this all up together. I'm just going to go first because I only have a couple things to say about this bullpen. Uh, one of them is I'm. It's unfortunate for Dennis Santana that essentially one bad outing was his downfall mm -hmm. um, because he pitched in eight games and has a 4.32 ERA, but it's 
it's kind of insane because he only gave up four runs in one appearance. And that's why his ERA is so bad. He didn't give up any other runs in any other appearance. Um, and I also don't understand why they're going with three lefties. I'm not a fan of Scott Alexander. Um, he's a, he's, as I've said before, he's the biggest tease on the team. You think he's going to, you know, finally get it together and be that dominant guy, but he just never seems to get there and always kind of, kind of disappoints you. Um, so I don't really understand why, you know, after putting David price in the bullpen, you got Victor Gonzalez in there. Why, why Scott Alexander, why we need someone like Scott Alexander, especially with the three batter minimum rule. I don't really see the need for quote unquote lefty specialists. Yeah. The guys I'm looking forward to are, are obviously my man, Blake Trinan. Uh, but most, the other, the other guy I'm most excited to see is, is Corey Knabel. Uh, he's looked good. He had a little scare. Uh, he got hit by a ball on his elbow, but he's okay. Uh, but I'm excited to see what he can do. He was one of the best closers in baseball uh, two years ago. And I think he's going to do big things for this bullpen. I'm also looking forward to see what Victor Gonzalez can do in his first, well, maybe second full season. Uh, I want to see him build on that consistency from last year. And I think they're going to be good to go. I think they don't need to do anything at the trade deadline. Uh, but this, this, if there was one thing, uh, they could trade for a reliever and just be maybe the best team ever assembled. <laughs> yeah. The guy I'm most excited for is Jimmy Nelson. He came on the incline and he's just been a beast this spring. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe he's got, I do. Know, it's eight innings, five innings pitched 11 strikeouts since appearing on this podcast. Yeah. Exactly. No runs. He has just been awesome. And I think we're going to see like a hybrid of Brandon Morrow and Joe Blanton for this Dodgers team in 2021. And um, also Corey Knable was really hyped when they picked him up, was almost released by the Brewers. Dodgers swooped in last second. And my bold prediction with this bullpen is Corey Knable is going to run away with the closer job at some point this season. The, fi- the filth on that curveball is just out of this world. And the fastball, we haven't even seen the best of it yet. When it's on, the spin rate is just insane. And people are going to be talking about this guy. And I don't know if he's a free agent at the end of the year, but he's going to get paid big bucks if he bounces back. And, so, and think and think about just real quick. Just think about the fact that you know Garoderol coming back. You're adding a reliever there. Right. If 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 Brandon Morrow suddenly gets healthy, you're adding another reliever there. So there are a few quote unquote acquisitions that they could add at some point during the yeah, season. Like they literally have Brandon Morrow too. Like right. not like a Corey Knable version of Brandon Morrow. Like but like actually actual him. Brandon Morrow. Like his body and the real life version of him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think we'll see David Price in the rotation at some point this season. It was clear that he's just not built up yet. And he's 35. So he's at that point in his career where injuries are more likely to occur. So it's a long season. He'll get in there at some point. Don't worry. And my final thoughts are Scott Alexander is not good. And I think the Dodgers could use an Amir Garrett at the deadline because that guy is insane. That would be, That'd be great. He's got, I think, three years of team control, though. So that might be a hefty, hefty price. So let's do some prediction rap- time. Yep. Let's do some let's rapid do fire with this. We'll start with the NL West. What are your final standings? My standings are Dodgers, Padres, and then the rest. <laughs> uh, no, uh, <laughs> the, the giants are, are going to be in third. Uh, I know that Kevin loves his D backs, um, yeah, but not I, anymore. I'm, I'm <laughs> not anymore. I'm I'm putting the D backs fourth and the Rockies very at very at the bottom. That's that's mine as well. Same here. Unfortunately, the Zach Gallon injury, he fractured his arm, and that's gonna be a huge blow to them. I had a stress fracture once and I was out of commission for two months and it sucked. So 
I imagine that Gallon's going to be in the same predicament and uh, Luke Weaver is not good. And there's some other question marks with that D-backs rotation and Rockies will have the worst record in baseball. That team is awful. You think they'll have a worse record than the Pirates? Okay, Brian Hayes. That's all I need to see. Trevor Story. <laughs> Trevor Story is going to get traded, but that's that's another. Herman Marquez should get traded. Yeah. So let's do the rest of the baseball standings now. Just give me your division winners and wild cards, and then you can do your World Series on top of that if you'd like. Go for it, David. All right. In the playoffs, in the National League, division winners, I got the Dodgers, the Brewers, and the Braves. And the wild card, I got the Padres and the Cardinals. If you did not hear me, I did not list the Mets there, and that's on purpose. I think the Mets are frauds. In the American League, I have the Yankees, White Sox, and Astros winning the divisions. And in the wild card, I have the Blue Jays and the Twins. And my World Series matchup is probably going to you know, make you scratch your head a bit, but I'm going Dodgers and Blue Jays. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I have a similar outlook to you, David, but I'll go. Um, here we go. Uh, Dodgers uh, coming out of the, the NL West. Um, the, I believe the, the Cardinals are going to come out of the central um, and the Braves are going to come out of the East and the wild card matchup is going to be Brewers V Padres. Um, I, I, I mean, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be tough because I think, I think the Mets will, will be in the conversation. So they, they may slip into the, the wild card, but I think the Braves are winning that division. Um, in the American league um, division winner for the AL West, uh, I'm going with the uh, Oakland A's um, for the central. I'm going with the white Sox, and for the East, I'm going with the Yankees and the wild card matchup is going to be the uh, blue Jays and the um twins and uh the world series matchup is going to be dodgers white Sox. dodgers west brewers central mets east wild card padres versus braves the braves 3-1 hangover is going to come back to bite them we have not seen soroka pitch they are they got lucky last season the braves are not that good american league wise yankees east White Sox Central and West, the Angels. And wild card, I got the Oakland A's versus the Blue Jays. World Series, it's a battle of 81. Dodgers, Yankees. And we'll do MVPs in Cy Young's right now. So I'll start it off. MVP, Mookie Betts, Glyber Torres, Cy Young's, Corbin Burns. Look him up if you don't know who that is. And Lucas Giolito. Go ahead, David. MVPs. Kind of boring, but I got Juan Soto in the NL and Mike Trout in the AL, Cy Young's Garrett Cole in the AL, and Aaron Nola in the NL on my fantasy team as well. And rookie of the year, I got Ian Anderson in the NL and Randy Arozarena in the AL. Okay. Uh, for MVP in the National League, I'm going Corey Seager. Uh, in the American League, um, I'm going Mike Trout. In uh, for the Cy Youngs, I'm going with uh, DeGrom in the National League and in the American League. I actually am going to go Giolito as well. I do like that. Um, for rookie of the year, um, for the NL, I'm going to say Key Brian Hayes. Uh, and then the AL, I'm also going to go with a Rosarena. 
All right, we got a quick question now from Sam Sure, another loyal listener. Which team is the biggest threat to the Dodgers in a three or five game series? Not a best of seven. Oh, so in the National League then? I guess so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it would have to be. I'll go Nationals because I saw what happened in 2019. And if Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin are healthy, they'll do it again. I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, that's a good pick. I'm going to go Brewers just because of that, that bullpen. Yeah, the and, Brewers and, for sure. And, and, their, and their offense is actually pretty scary. I'm going Brewers as well because I think it's a very likely matchup. And with Devin Williams healthy and, uh, and Burns healthy, uh, it's not going to be the same team as we saw last year. All right, cool. Um, any other hot takes or predictions you want to throw out before I ask one more question from another fan listener? Uh, I have a question real quick. Do we think, do we think the Padres are making it to the NLCS? No, because then that means they beat the Dodgers. Mm, assuming we have the best record. Yeah, assuming we have the best record. It couldn't be Dodgers-Padres in the NLCS? No. It, only if the Dodgers didn't have the best record in the NL. Yep. Assuming, you know, yeah. Padres are a wild card, obviously. Okay. So, no, no. <laughs> so, screw that. <laughs> yeah, I think the Dodgers are winning. I'll go with 109 this year. That's my prediction for how many wins they're going to get. Who do you guys I'm going think? 108. 108. Who do you think hits the most home runs for the Dodgers? Um, Muncy. I'm going to say Bellinger. Yeah, I think Bellinger if he's healthy, but Corey Seager very well could do it. I and think who- Muncy, Bellinger, and Seager all hit 35 home runs. That's a good I like, one. I like it. We'll see how many, but how many they're, they're deadening the ball though. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know what they're doing with this stupid baseball, man. At least Betts. we're not playing in Texas the whole year. That's true. I think bets will hit 25 real quick for my uh, fellow gamblers out there. MVP odds on Dodgers bets is the favorite in the NL plus 750 Seager plus 1500 Bellinger plus 800 and Muncie plus 1400. If you're feeling lucky and Cy Young, Odds, Bauer is the second favorite, plus 600, Bueller plus 900, and Kershaw plus 1,500. So Frank Martinez, in what will be a very condensed out of left field, wants to know, probably specifically to David, what's more obnoxious, modifying your vehicle exhaust to emit deafening sounds or installing blinding headlights? Lights. Lights, LED headlights, for me, the absolute the, worst invention in the history of society. For me, it's the sound. That's shit. Me too. I hate the sound. Don't so care. Much. Don't you can, I'd rather have that hooked up to my ear and my headphones <laughs> on loud than look at those stupid LED lights that blind you. Yeah, whenever motorcycles or loud cars go by, I just go like this, hands over my ears. Just and then just take your hands off the steering wheel and just hope for the best. Well, I I was more talking when I'm outside. Okay, fair when enough. I, when I'm in my car, my wheels and music are up. So, <laughs> yeah, my windows, a, not wheels. But. As a reporter, I hated I hated hearing cars. You know, just because they knew we were on TV, so they would go extra hard and try and screw up our live shot. Like that, that just just makes me so angry. All right, yeah, we got a we got a few more minutes. So, if you guys want to drop any more bull takes or any hot takes this season. This is the perfect time to do so. Hmm. I think I dropped them all on uh, Jake's podcast, Meeting on the Mound, which you should listen to after you're done listening to this. So it's coming. Yeah, our episode, our episode's coming out tomorrow. Yeah, I nice. think I'm good on uh, hot takes. But my my biggest hot take is the Mets don't make the playoffs. 
Garrett Clevenger is going to make an appearance this season. And if you haven't watched him this spring, the dude is almost like Caleb Ferguson. So maybe we don't even need Amir Garrett because if they get Clevenger mechanically right, he's throwing 95 to 97 and you'll be talking about him soon enough. And um, yeah, so this is going to be a ex- very exciting 2021 season. We are going in for the first time as reigning champs since 1989. So that's exciting. The first in our lifetimes. We'll see the gold jerseys. They're playing the Rockies, as already mentioned, then the A's. Then they come back home. They'll play the Nationals. So what are you guys most excited about for this upcoming season? We'll close it out with that and then do final thoughts. I'm excited to see fans in the stands again. I I really enjoy watching a game even if i'm not there on tv with fans in the stands it just makes it it makes it more real it makes the competition seem more real um it adds to the drama of everything and i know the i know the players feed off of it too so it'll only make it'll only make the baseball better this season i'm excited for the ring ceremony i'm excited to see clayton kershaw get his ring with a smile on his face and just have that be in dodger stadium with fans in the stands uh, finally getting these fans something to cheer about for a title. I think I'm most excited about Dodgers Padres this year. I think it's the clear best two teams in the national league and they're playing 19 games. And I think a lot of them are going to come down to the wire. I expect a full on brawl to break out at some point this season. I think Bauer is going to troll Machado. I think Tatis Jr. is going to showboat at some point and Trent Grissom. I know he's on the IL, but assuming he gets right, he'll do something obnoxious once again. And I hope he, he drops a routine fly out. Cause that'd be hilarious. But <laughs> Padres fans, Dodgers fans, it's going to be an awesome time this season. I hope we can go to the stadium at some point and just have a beer or something. Cause that's definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to actually going to a game. Yeah. Same here. All right. Final thoughts, guys, plug in anything else you want. We appreciate everyone for listening. If you've stuck along the whole way, it's going to be an awesome 2021 season. Yeah. I just want to say real quick for, uh, for David, Kevin and myself uh, on my podcast meeting on the mound, we did a debate style show uh, where we covered a bunch of different uh, issues facing major league baseball. One of them being the foreign substance crackdown that they're trying to do um, the uh, and, and a bunch of other uh, issues that we talked about, small ball uh, increasing, you know, deadening the baseball, all of those issues. And so that episode's coming out on Wednesday. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We had a bunch of other people on as well. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for Dodgers baseball. I'm excited for opening day. It's one of the, my favorite days of the year. Uh, and, and it's, and it's back again. It's, it's, it feels just amazing. Baseball in less than 48 hours. That's my final thought. <laughs> Keep a lookout for us on Locker Room. We're going to be doing a lot of awesome stuff throughout the season. So download that app. Follow us if you haven't already on our social medias, The Incline Dodgers, Facebook, Instagram, The Incline Pod on Twitter. And there's a, U- there's a YouTube video format out with all these cool graphics and stuff. So check that out as well. Make sure to subscribe to all our platforms. It really helps us. And 20% off plus free shipping from manscaped so go to manscaped.com and check it out code incline 20 i believe thank you so much everyone i hope you all have a great 2021 season go dodgers everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.